Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. excited to be with you. I'm so privileged to be with you. It's absolutely amazing. I did spend a very short period of my life in Baraba. I have a couple of very vivid memories from there. I have a vivid memory of riding in the back of the cattle truck between Manila and Baraba. Pretty certain you're not allowed to do that now. Um, I also was sharing with Andrew this morning another vivid memory of sitting at one of the creeks. They'd pulled us out of school to try and get us home before the creeks rose, failed miserably, and the bus driver made us listen to the Melbourne Cup. (laughs) As a 10-year-old... That was not good. All right. (laughs) Never been passionate about the Melbourne Cup since, actually. Anyway, um, let me pray. Father God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you that you're here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the giver of life and hope and freedom and joy and peace and future. And so, Father, I pray right now that you would take these words and, Lord, you would breathe upon them only that which is from heaven, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So in 2012, a small black kitten made its way to Bellevue Automotive Centre. Obviously abandoned and hungry, James Parker, my husband, made the irreversible choice of placing a small saucer of milk out for the kitten. Kitten settled in for the day. At the end of the day, James headed home, shooing him out of the workshop. But at 7am, the moment that he opened the roller door the next day, a small kitten pushed against his boot and looked at him in expectation. And he gave in to the furry blue-eyed beggar and gave him some more milk. So satisfied, he settled in for the day. At the end of work, James scooped him up, put him on a seat in the car where he promptly just curled up and went to sleep for the entire drive home and Mr Orlando joined the Parker household and he's still going strong. See, what we feed and nurture returns to our lives and we see the fruit of what we invest into. This is true of small black kittens and it's also true for our relationships, our study, our work and our spiritual life. See, if I feed a relationship with time and conversation and generosity, I'm going to see the return of joy and loyalty. If I feed my study with diligence, time management and commitment, I'm going to see a return of achievement. If I feed my work with excellence, faithfulness and honour, the return will be promotion and capacity growth and recognition. So I want to look this morning at the story of a woman who chose to invite someone in for a meal and the return to her life was miraculous. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, but otherwise I think the verses are going to come up on the screen. So one day Elisha went to Shunem. A well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. One day 
who knows that a choice made on one day can transform the course of your life. The ultimate like sliding moment. And so sliding door moment. Maybe you've had a day like that. Perhaps it was a choice that connected you with your now husband or wife. Or maybe it was a choice that resulted in profound regret or pain. But a choice was made and your life changed in a day. One day she made a choice and urged a prophet to join her for a meal. She didn't know him and yet this generous step of faith brought the presence of God into her life and home. Elisha was divinely appointed by God as the prophet of Israel and he was the prophet that had the double anointing. No other prophet recorded in the Bible had the same infilling of the Holy Spirit and power as Elisha did. She thought that she was just being hospitable, but her open heart and life brought the power and word of heaven to her table. And those meals must have awakened something in her. Perhaps it was the words of wisdom that spoke to her heart or maybe the glimmers of hope that maybe there was more than just the religion she'd grown up with. But something began to stir Obviously, has he talked about God with, him, with, with, with her? Perhaps it was a longing to hear more of the miracles that came from Elisha's hand because of the power of God in his life. But an occasional visit and meal was not enough. And so she set out to invest in building an upper room, a place for Elisha to be at home, a place for the presence of God and the power of his word to dwell, a place of welcome, intimacy and friendship of knowing and being known. If we pick, it, pick this um, account up, it says, she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a be- in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can come and stay there whenever he comes to us. From a place of desire and vision for more of God, this woman invested her resource and her time and her heart to build this place. She thought through what it was going to look like and what would be in it in order to create a space for Elisha to stay, to dwell there. It wasn't extravagant or elaborate, but it was to become an extraordinary place. See, in our busy, distracted lives... It's easy for us to settle for a quick devotional snack with Jesus. Maybe a bit of online or podcast takeaway. Perhaps a once a week or once a month Sunday family dinner. And it's nice, but all our other meals are with routine, work, entertainment, my agenda, my commitments, my priorities and my desires. And we're in danger of being like Simon the Pharisee. So Simon was a religious leader and he invites Jesus to his home for a meal with a whole heap of his friends. And during that meal, this woman comes, this scandalously sinful woman comes and kneels at Jesus' feet, weeping and washing his feet with her tears. And Simon turns to, uh, Jesus turns to Simon and talks to him about heart and how those who are forgiven a lot will love a lot. 
we pick up this story. He says, Jesus, turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he says, do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained her tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She has forgiven me, she was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal, then he spoke to her, I forgive your sins. And that set the dinner guests talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? See, Simon invited Jesus over, but alongside his other friends. He could say that Jesus was there, but there was no honour in his heart or desire for anything more of God. He never worshipped. The meal was about him, not Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now pay attention, I'm standing at the door knocking. If, anyone, if any of you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to visit with you and share a meal at your table and you will be with me. It's Jesus talking. Jesus, God himself, standing, knocking, waiting to be invited in. Not for a snack or a takeaway or a stand at the kitchen bench, I'm still working at my desk kind of a lunch, but a meal, a long lunch. And as beautiful as that is, we need to discover that the occasional visit and meal is not enough. There's so much more. There's just so much more. And something needs to awaken within us like it did within that woman. See, I don't want Jesus to visit me occasionally. I don't even want to have an occasional wonderful meal with him. I want his presence with me to be constant. I need his power and his word to be something that is constant within my life. And God is looking for a space where he can feel at home, a place where he can abide, a place within our hearts and lives where he can dwell, a place of welcome, intimacy and friendship, a place of no Knowing him and being known by him. And we, like this woman did for Elisha, need to build an upper room, a place and space from which that comes from a place of desire and vision of more of God, a place and space where we invest our heart and our time so that the power of the word of heaven and the presence of God has a place to stay. And it's something that we do individually and it's something that we do together within the building of our church. See, when this woman set out to build this room for Elisha, she could never have known that it was to become the place where her deepest desires were to collide with the power of God and miracles were going to be birthed. See, she set out just to honour the holy man of God because of the relationship that she had formed with him. And the room she built on the roof of her house was to change the course of her life. It says, one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and he lay down there 
And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. And Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. And Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But this woman became pregnant and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. See, what the natural mind and world cannot understand or change or transform or speak to, an upper room can. This is where we access the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and it intersects with the natural realm of our time and our world. See, an upper room can only be built above. Remarkable, right? It's not an extension or a lean-to of our lives. You know, it's, it's, God can only ever be above. He can only ever be above our work, our intellect, our reason, our finance, our time, our experience, our talent, our thought processes. He can only ever be above. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. He is the great I am. This is the King. And He will inhabit the place we make for Him. And we build an upper room through worship and passionately seeking Him, His presence, His Word, His voice, His truth, His promise for our lives. We build Him an upper room through prayer, through silence, through stillness, through listening, through wonder, through gratitude. We build Him an upper room as we speak in tongues and as we repent. When we, like the woman with her tears or her perfume pour out our thanks and honour for being so wondrously completely forgiven. We build him an upper room when we behold the cross daily. And we build him an upper room when we come together in this building and do it as one. And it's an investment for which there is a cost. For us, it is time, perhaps the most costly commodity of our hurried world. But it is time that is returned. It's returned in grace and strength and wisdom and revelation and love and restoration and healing and all the fruit of the Spirit. 
It's returned in supernatural time when the Holy Spirit overflows in our lives. The oil of His presence somehow smooths those things that can be frustrating or overly time consuming. When we seek the kingdom first, all these things, the needs and the commitments of our lives are met as well. And I want to speak to you this morning if you have young children, because that is a unique season of constant interruption, right? And you're like, where do I find time? I sit down and somebody's pulling, going, Mum, 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 I can't even go to the toilet on my own. And I found this incredible promise from the story of Mary and Martha. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better thing and it will not be taken from her. And I held that promise as a young mum. And I'd sit with Jesus and I'd say, Jesus, I'm here. Don't take this from me. And he constantly came through. And I found that in that season as a young mum, that he could, the Holy Spirit could download into my soul in 10 minutes, what may take now half an hour. It's like this supernatural time exchange. And I would meet him at the clothesline because ain't nobody interrupting me there. (laughs) And Holy Spirit sees and he knows the circumstances of our lives if we will commit to create an upper room. There's no more beautiful, peaceful, transformational or powerful place than an upper room. It's not automatic in our lives or even in our church. It has to be built. But don't you want more? Don't you want more of God? Is what you've got right now enough or is there a longing within your heart for something more? Because I look and I go, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our homes, in our city, in our nation. We need Him to move. And an upper room is not just the place where our heart can connect with the heart and power of God, but where the most dead of our dreams and the greatest broken and pain of our lives can find healing and hope and life again. And so we pick up this story, it says the child grew and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers and he said to his father, my head, my head. And his father told a servant, carry him to his mother. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God and quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and she came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's a Shunammite. Run and meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything's all right, she said. 
And when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. And Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? And Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt and take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there the boy was lying dead on his couch and he went in and shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And as he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. As a safer church's officer, don't ever put Elisha's actions into practice, literally. It will not work out so well in this century, just saying. (laughs) But there's something remarkable about this moment. Seeing this, her greatest pain and her deepest need, she made a remarkable choice because she pursued God. She didn't walk away. Having built this room and seen God's power move in her life, this woman knew exactly where to place her son and who to seek. She placed him, her dream that was lost, in the place so familiar to her, the place she knew God could move. She knew Elisha would come and she would not let go until he did. And he saw her pain and he saw her heartache and he was moved by her seeking him. What dream that was once from God is dead in your life? What disappointment or brokenness or pain are you carrying? What child has walked away from God? Where are you placing these things? Because is there an upper room where it can all be laid out before heaven? Or is there no place where the power and the word of God can intersect into the natural realm of your world? Because sometimes we seek lifeless things to try and heal what is broken rather than seeking the one who carries heaven's power and hang on until he breathes life again. You see this son, miraculously born, tragically killed, 
powerfully resurrected and found in that upper room foreshadowed Jesus. And here today, Jesus is in this room. And while Elisha had a double anointing, Jesus brings the Holy Spirit without limit. So I'm going to invite you to respond. Do you need more than an occasional meal? Do you want more? Do you want to see the power of God poured out? Do you need a fresh encounter? Do you have something that needs to find its place in an upper room so that the grace of God can meet you in your greatest need? Then I'm going to invite you today to respond. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.